Hey, welcome to the Best Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Fennessy, and I'm joined by Master Anna Planner, Donna Schumar. During this podcast journey, we hope to explore high-level Anaplan modeling concepts and connect you, the listener, with the expert Anaplanners that are at the forefront of the platform's innovation. Stay tuned for thought-provoking conversations with our amazing guests. We plan to feature guests that span multiple industries, such as retail, finance, supply chain, sales, and many others, as well as bringing in pioneers in advanced data modeling and data integrations. Our goal is to provide our audience with as much free knowledge, value, and insights into the ecosystem. So we hope you join us in that mission. I think we can we can kick off the conversation here and uh, just kind of start by reflecting on the fact that we are almost exactly a year from when we originally recorded our first episode with you, David. So we're, we're really excited to have you back and kind of around that anniversary date of the, uh, yeah. the first episode. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's going really quickly. Yeah. So, uh, we want to kind of talk about just, uh, dive right into some agnostic business, you know, uh, planning mm-hmm. topics. And, um, I, I think the first thing, you know, that maybe just to kick things off, um, is I want to get your, perspective on kind of just the changing landscape in the the planning ecosystem uh you're seeing a lot of changes in some of the uh the main platforms and uh, not only from an organizational level but uh also from like a strategic planning perspective in in the way that they're approaching you know how customers should be planning um and rolling out you know some some kind of easier more point solutions that are more intuitive to that to those end users and kind of taking away that really highly technical uh need to be able to build and plan um what is your kind of uh view and perspective how do you see things changing and what do you think uh the future holds in this space I can definitely see two, two, two sort of streams of things happening at the moment. Um, when when you look at some of the the, the bigger um, sort of new modeling tools that are out there that are coming, they're still sort of working on the same sort of model of consultants and pre-sales and and training and giving people the the sort of real power of of the things, but actually needing them to be helped with that first installation. So the kind of the the, the, the current paradigm of model builders. So, so you know, um, most of the audiences, most of the companies that, that we've worked at before will be, well, that's where they are. You know, somebody builds it, somebody ministers it for users. That's definitely one area. And, and, and that's sort of moving into more of this template world, if you like, of, well, these are the, this is the way you should do it. Um, the other side of it is definitely on the sort of the, which is where, more where, where we're attacking, which is the sort of, well, People should be able to do this themselves without the expertise. So, and even, but even on that lower end, they're still trying to do the template world. I think the aspiration is, is fine. Um, the challenge from all of these, um, these tools is whilst a lot of the businesses are very similar and there's a core there that is, is, is good planning. It's also just the right thing to do for that particular business. The challenge comes when there's these subtleties, as as you know, and our audience probably know. It's always those exceptions that always cause a problem. So, although in previous conversations we've talked about, yeah, don't model for the model for the exceptions as exceptions. However, you still have to model for them. And the challenge with all of these tools 
is if they're not built to be taken apart and put back together again, from the architectural perspective, it's very difficult to do. So we know that from our Anaplan days, and it's probably the same with some of the other tools. They aren't built with small building blocks. They're built together, and the apps are great, and they do what they need to do. The challenge is always, well, what if I want to swap those two things for these three things? Or I don't want that piece, I want this bit. If you can get that bit to work where well, that's quite seamless, particularly coming back to that's the same sort of model. If you rely on a team of consultants to, to manage or an expert to do it, okay, you can you can you can manage that transition and, and some tools are better than others at that transition. If you're relying totally on the user to be self-sufficient, you've got to be super easy on that transition. Otherwise they're gonna go, this doesn't quite give me everything I need. If it's too painful for me to get to where I need to go, I'm going to throw it away and I'll just carry on with what I'm doing. So there's a, there is a real challenge there with, with this template approach of, yes, the simplistic stuff, the first use cases, getting people in, doing the basics. I think there's a lot of market there for lots of people to be able to do all of that because, yeah, ultimately, small businesses and, and some of the things, you know, quota planning and financial planning and expense planning, yeah, yeah there's basics in there that are always the same. So there's a, there's a lot of competition there to just do that. And I think you can build some very standard things for that. That's not for me where the big challenge is for, for that market. Most of that is, what if you want to do this bit that you haven't, because how on earth do you know all the businesses out there, all of their requirements? There are going to be some nuances that they, that, that aren't in your mindset that you've never heard of that, are, that do matter to them. So we shouldn't be trying to say, oh, well, this is how you got to do it because this is the template I've built. You can't do that. You know, you, you you can, but then you get this kind of, well, now now you're making me change my process to fit your tool. That doesn't feel comfortable. So so there's a challenge there. Um, I think in general in the market, I, I think I've seen this in my career, these kind of rounds of consolidation that go on where it happened a lot um, in my early days of transitioning you know, to consultancy from, <clears throat> from, from my sort of business role, if you like, where five or six companies all got bought up within a couple of months by everybody else. So there was like, you know, so IBM bought everybody and then and then SAP bought everybody. And then you know, I, we haven't had that round of consolidation for quite some time. It wouldn't surprise me if we get another one in the next five years, because it's getting to that point where a lot of the tools are sort of branching off into sort of specialisms. And it's like, well, that's the territory where somebody will go, well, actually, I'll have a bit of that, a bit of that. Thanks together. I'll put them together because actually, I, you know, I need both those bits. So whilst everyone is all, whilst everyone's doing everything, it's harder for those companies to pull together. As soon as you get any specialties that go on and they start focusing on particular areas or particular industries, I think there is possibly a round of consolidation that might happen in some time, just logically, where particularly with the amount of money that's being bounced around and people are just buying companies up left, front and centre, you know, they're going to go, well, I'll have, I'll have three of them, thanks, and then put them together into one big one because now they're going to get... It's now profitable growth rather than just growth in the in the sort of that market. So I think it's interesting to see what happens in the next next few years. From our side of things, we're we're you know well out of that kind of whole market because we're much in the sort of much more self sufficient sort of smaller end. So we're not expecting to be targeted by anyone like that in that sense. Yeah, when you think about the prominence of Microsoft Excel, that seems to be kind of like the mainstay that seems to have remained throughout all of these other tools that have come around. What are your thoughts on what is it like just about Excel that is so comfortable for for uh, people in our space? And why is it always the staple that no matter how many upgrades come around, why does it always seem to last? 
it's it's a real interesting one and one of the things that we focused on when we, the last few years was kind of like well, why is that as well because it is everywhere and it's good we can't pretend it isn't so so kind of the again a marketing message of oh we're, we're going to be better than that it's like well that's a high bar for you to set yourself to be better than excel simpler than excel better in certain things than excel or more structured than excel. okay now you now you can start talking but generally better you can do any, pretty much what you want in it and you can pretty much get started straight away. I would caveat some of the things people say, with oh, Excel is easy to use. It's like not for people who don't know what a spreadsheet is. So anyone who comes in to looks, looks at it and says A1 times B2 divided by C3, it's like what on earth is that? So that leap is quite tricky for someone. But once you get to that point, because it's really flexible and it doesn't have the constraints of what's in a cell, <laughs> anything goes in a cell, and it and you know in all of our tools we've used oh you can't do that divided by that because that doesn't work but Excel just goes error okay you work it out so they've taken this really hands off approach to error checking and and helping users they just kind of go off you go you get started if it doesn't work your problem you don't ring up Microsoft and say the numbers don't add up or I've just deleted everything what happens they just kind of like go on so because of that it's really easy to get get going and I think. What happens is people get to a certain point, and even with Excel users, and particularly with the transformational stuff, so because there's no structure in there, there's there's rows and columns. That's it. So in simple data sets and, and, and use cases where you haven't got a lot of complexity, you can cope with rows and columns. A lot of people talk about when you say, what's your spreadsheet? They, they think of it as a table. And a lot of the tools out there say, load up your spreadsheet into my app. And I'm always kind of, Really? I don't think you'd be loading any of my spreadsheets into your app, but the spreadsheet they're talking about is a table of data. And it's like, well, that's not really a spreadsheet in the truest sense of a spreadsheet, but that's how people think of spreadsheets. So because it's got that kind of usage like that, it's, it's, and there's so much out there now as well with, with, with the internet in terms of finding out how to do things, but, but you can still do it and you can do it badly and you can do it inefficiently, but you can still do it. So even if you don't understand how to build some ifs and vlookups and xlookups and array formulas and all these things that are really clever that, that the experts build you can kind of still get it to do most of what you want it's the scale and the efficiency thing that always is when excel is not the right tool to use once you start getting into macro land you know that you're pushing the boundaries of what it's intended to do so this is when the tools that we've used in the past come in because it's like okay now we take the strengths of Excel and we put them into something that scales and can cope with this performance. And, you know, we've been working with, with data and, 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 you know, testing some stuff. With, for, it falls over, really. It's surprising you, you forget just how little you need before the formulas start. And I've got a really powerful, I had to upgrade my Mac because my, it was literally falling over trying to do calculations. It wasn't that much, not in the scale of what we used to with hundreds of thousands of, of data points. This was just, five six thousand rows by 12 months and it's like it takes five minutes to calculate so it's the scale aspect of when spreadsheets fall down but up until that point it's really hard to say there's a lot better because you can just get going straight away so i think that's why it's so popular an interesting kind of point well first thing i'll point out is just the the excel and the spreadsheet kind of differentiation there it's almost it reminds me a lot of uh how kleenex is kind of referred to as you know the standard for tissue paper even though kleenex mm -hmm. is the brand um yeah. it, it's a type of tissue paper right so um but what's funny is um you know you're kind of explaining how you know the simplicity the flexibility 
um, of Excel is what kind of keeps that around all the time. Um, it's easy to kind of use across other tools and, um, but there's also, you know, you run into issues with scalability once you start to, you know, build things out. And I think that, you know, obviously some of these other planning platforms solve that issue. Where's that middle, where's that like sweet spot for, you know, uh, an imaginary tool that does everything. Um, it's flexible. It can scale. Um, it's easy to use. You don't need, um, you know, high level of technical background to be able to build and plan and, and, um, and change dimensions and move things around and, you know, project and forecast the way you want to. Uh -huh. What, what is that tool? What's that perfect middle spot? I think that again, these companies are trying to find it right where it's like we can remove, you know, the, the reliance on Excel, but we can also allow them to kind of take it past that scale past that with the same flexibility use that, you know, has made Excel such a, you know, mainstay in the space. Like what is that perfect middle point um, for a platform and how do you get where, there? That's kind of what we're aiming for. To yeah. In our longer term vision. I mean, seriously, that is what we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing which I didn't mention is the reason Excel is so popular is it's free. Um, so that is the, and I think that's the big challenge for the bigger companies is you, if you are, you, you must have to sort of accept the fact you're going to work with it and, but you're going to have to charge to make money. There's got to be some extras. And so it has to be integrated, easy to use. But I mean, yeah, I mean, seriously, we are, it, it is, most of these things still operate around the grid sort of paradigm because it's what people are comfortable with you can argue oh well not everything needs to be in it's okay yeah but it works people understand it so there's not a lot of point in trying to move too far away from that and so it all just comes down to it's almost what the business model it wants to be um and if you want to attract and, and get into big companies and have thousands of users and charge people and things then then you you can move away it's finding that middle ground between it's like what we talked about with some of the best practice tools before about the, the balance and, the, and that remember that triangle we talked about, which is, you know, you've got performance on one side, you've got usability on the other side, but you've also got the maintenance. And I think the performance and the, and the maintenance aspect of where spreadsheets fall down when you try to make changes to things, because you then you realize just how hard it is to just change from one year to another or add another product in. Well, where do I add the product in? Well, everywhere. It's like, okay, it doesn't take a lot of once you go, once you've used the tools that we've used and you go back to Excel, you realize just how painful some of those basic stuff is. And that's what people who are not, haven't got to that point don't realize how painful it is because they're just happy to, they've got one table of numbers and they put a new row in and it's fine. What's the problem? Why is everyone complaining about Excel? Because you're in a simple use case. So I think it is just the, the challenge for everyone is, is, is how, which one do you want to focus on? Because you kind of have to, and what's your journey path and who who is your audience? And as I said, I think it's very much that a lot of the tools that are still there and the ones being developed are still focusing on quite some, they're focusing on the Excel user and the frustration of Excel user who needs this maintenance and scalability and performance aspect. So, so that's very much one end of the Excel market because I still think even, I mean, I'm very rusty from what I used to be. I could do anything I'm, at the time, still probably was only using a fraction of what Excel could do in terms of the actual capabilities. So if you want to target some of those, then then yeah, you build some of those. If you want to target the, the very, very basic, it's a very different business model 
a very different audience. So knowing knowing your audience, and it's, it's, it's a lot of the things that we talked about in terms of the best practice stuff, is knowing who is actually going to be using it or building it or maintaining it is really key to actually what where you want to be. So if you're going to target a model builder in a company who wants to build this for his salespeople to use, it's a very different thing to building it for the salesperson to build their own models. It's a very different audience. And I don't think you can you can say, oh, we'll just build something universal that everybody can use. You've got to, well, you might get there, but which, what's your path? And you, you have to start. You know, we, we want to start at the very basic. Anyone who's running a small business who doesn't have expertise, doesn't have money, doesn't have resources, can start and get get a long way. Um, whereas you could have started on the other end, which is, okay, we'll target the, the companies where someone's job is, is to build a model. The one that I've played in the past, you guys have played it, or audience have played it. You know, I'm building a model for me and for other people to use. Okay, that's a, that's a very different person to target. So if you're clear on where that is, then you can you can make the right, go in the right direction. And obviously that, that then, everything commercially picks off the back of that. It seems like the spirit of kind of what you guys are pursuing is for that small business, as you mentioned. What about small business in particular is so attractive for what you guys are trying to do? I think I think it's primarily because there's nothing there to help them. And and our founder was very much around well, we've done the bigger stuff. And we've done and there's lots of there's lots of activity around the bigger stuff. And in one perception you could say that there's more money there because there are bigger companies with more money. But if you think about the size of the market for the very small businesses, there's billions of small businesses out there who use Excel and get stuck. So there's thousands of companies out there that have model builders that build things. So it's like, well, if there's a, there's plenty of space. There was a Harvard Business Review thing. I think it's quite a, lot, a few years old now called the Blue Ocean and Red Ocean thing. And then the Red Ocean is where everyone's fighting over it. It's where everybody is. That's the Anaplans. That's the pigments. That's the you know, plan falls. It's all of the tools, data rails, all those things that we know about. They're in this big thing and they're all chairing lumps out of each other trying to be the best and the fastest and better than them. And all the marketing is around why we're better than them. It's not a very, it's, it's a, it's a very profitable space, but it's a very competitive space. The Blue Ocean is adjacent to that in a completely different place that no one really cares about where you can just kind of, do your thing and get on with it, which is where we are. We're happily over here. The, the bigger companies aren't interested in the, the small business who turns over $10,000 a year and has got five people. I'm like, how am I going to make any money out of them? Well, they're not because their architecture and their business model isn't set up for, their pricing isn't set up for a small business. They, they can't afford hundreds of thousands of dollars on a subscription per month or per year. They might be paying $5. That's about as much as they can do. So you've got to target you've got to target a different sort of thing and you've got to have a different infrastructure underneath it. So scaling to the levels that, the, that you have to scale to support the bigger businesses requires you to get a better return than a small business, which we are providing for small business means we don't need 400 salespeople and 3000 people around the world selling it and, and supporting it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an area that, we want to sort of target to start with because there's a gap and then we'll go from there because it does force you to, it forces you to be easy to use, which is a high bar. But actually, if you start with an easy to use for a novice, you can then extend it. Easy to use, you know, experts still like things to be easy to use. So if you make it for experts, you're never going to make it suitable for novices. Whereas if you make it for novices, you can, you can extend. So I think that's where the attraction. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of good points there. And something we've certainly noticed from our side is 
you know, one of these tools is not the solution for every type of business, right? Small, medium, large, they all require different things and different things in different parts of their journey, right? Excel works for them for, for a very short time, maybe for a long time, depending on how their business grows, but then they come into a need to, to scale and get on one of these new tools. So I'm curious, you know, what are your insights on how a company can decide when it's time to transition and what that transition is like with the lift and shift or change management into one of these new tools? And how do you know which tool to select? It's, it's a, yeah, it's a tough one. And it, and it will depend on exactly what the pain is around the deficiencies. And often it takes something not particularly pleasant for you to realize that you can't do this again. How many times have we heard Excel problems that have been pretty costly, both financially as well as, you know, in some cases even more. I mean, we had a situation in the UK with the COVID things where the statistics they were quoting were wrong because the spreadsheets were still using 16,000 rows. So there were all these things were falling off the bottom and nobody knew. So it was like can be pretty serious consequences for using the wrong tool. Um, and even some of the bigger ones, like you know the, 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 the SAPs and the big ones there, they're, they're, they're designed to do a certain thing. And like anything, once you start using it outside of what it's designed to do, it still will work, but it's not necessarily efficiency. So it comes back to that, I think. Which tool to transition to and what's the right approach is very difficult. It will depend very much on what exactly the problem is, who who the audience is, who's trying to use it. Because as we said before, certain tools have certain um, advantages. And I think that when we we've, we've talked before about model builders and and what how do you how do you build the right solution for your users, and it will depend on on what the audience are trying to do, um, and what the strengths are of individual products. So some products will focus very much on one area. If that is one of the areas that spreadsheets are that you're weaker on, like Excel is not, even 365 isn't great on collaboration. So if collaboration and multi-user, everyone's needing to share, and then, then obviously there are alternatives. So, you know, um, Google Sheets is better on collaborations, but it, it hasn't got some of the other functionalities. So, okay, does that matter? If you want simple collaboration and simple spreadsheets, then you don't need all the stuff Excel can do, but you get better collaboration. So with these other tools, the bigger ones, it's the same thing is, like you said, what is the most important? And when everyone goes through their, their sort of tenders and things like that, there'll be a lot of things in there that are generic. And then there'll be the ones that are specific to your needs and ask. The challenge is, again, for a lot of the tools is if you've got some very, very specific needs, getting someone to demo that efficiently in a, in a, pro, in a demo for you, you're not really going to see, you've got to make a bit of a leap and, and, you often need someone in the business who can see a bit of vision as to how they might apply that. If you haven't got that and you rely totally on the sales one, then you're kind of going into a bit blind, which is, you know, so, you know, everyone's going to sell their product and, 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 and do a demo to show their strengths. Of course you are. Everyone's going to do that. Um, so finding out whether it can really do it, you only really know that when you actually start, you know, and, and depending on how your sales cycle is and, and if you get into protracted proof of concept cycles with people, then, then then a lot of companies don't like doing that because it's quite a big investment to put into that because you almost build the thing for them. But sometimes you need that to know whether it can actually do it. And sometimes the real the real pinch point, if it's scale, if you've got a scale issue with Excel, well, the only way you're going to tell if this thing's going to work is if you put some scale to the to the product. So how are you going to buy it on the basis of I need to put a million products in here? Well, you're not going to demo a million products. 
So it's it's a it's a challenge on some of that. Um, so I think it very it is it is a lot about really understanding what what the need is and where the pain point is, and then finding the right sort of conversation with the products, the various products out there to to sort of just ask the ask the really horrible questions and and go under the covers and you know we we were successful um, when we were Anaplan. Part of the roles we did was to help with some of those non-salesy questions it's just well how does this thing work what's actually going on under the covers can it do this and if you have the right setup in your company you can you can sort of procate those those concerns by saying okay look i'll talk to you in your language the technical language as to what the architecture is and this is why it does what it does this is why it's not that this is why it's not oracle it's not sap or it's not this or it's not excel you have to get that across as to it doesn't work like that because it does this instead. And that often is, is, is useful for you to make a decision as to whether you as a, as a ultimate buyer understands, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me that I know that Excel can't do it because of this. They just explained why it's not Excel. Okay. I can make that leap and then I can go forward. So sort of the basis around that is, it sounds like is, is understanding their need, right? Yeah. is kind of at the, at the core of that but that can be a little bit challenging from you know what they say they need versus <laughs> what they actually do or what they actually need how, yeah. how do we uh disseminate that along you know during those conversations and, and extract the the vital information so that we can get to that you know that ideal solution for them it's it's a it's a skill that I, that I've learned over the years of being of doing consultancy and solution architecting. It's also something that's very prevalent in the in the product world for good for good product managers, um, because as you said, somebody saying what they want and saying what they do, or even yourself, it's not really always true. Um, particularly if they've got something in mind already, or they're already doing a job, so they they are clouded because they often don't know what's possible. So. You have the, the ideal situation is to is to is to watch them or, or or understand what they're doing, and it's just you know. So we we do this with the products thing quite often. Is if you can watch someone doing a task, if they say they've got a problem with it, just watch them or get them to video themselves or something, and you'll see where the where the things are, where the frustrations are, because you know if you watch yourself trying to use spreadsheets and you know, you'll hear you'll hear it, you'll get the sentiment, you'll you'll see it, so you'll get that. Quite difficult to do. It works if you're in a company and you're, you're supporting your colleagues in the company, obviously, because you can just sit and watch. As an external one, that's harder. Um, but essentially, the other one that you can do is there's a, there's a sort of thing called the five whys, and you end up having to be a bit like a four-year-old child. You just have to keep going, and you have to position it that, look, I'm going to ask you these questions, and you're going to get annoyed with me, but actually, I need to understand, because I don't want to know what you're trying to do. I want to know why you're trying to do it. So you end up with ask the question, I need to do this. Why do you need to do that? Because I need to do that. Or why do you need to do that? Because of this. Or why do you need to... So you go down three or four or five levels and you get to what actually is the problem. Because what they what the, they said they need up here is actually only because of something down here. So if then that's the that's the problem you have to solve. It's not, oh, I need it more efficient. Or why do you need it more efficient? Because it takes me ages to do this. Or why does it take me ages to do that? Oh, because then I'm late for this. It's like, well, so what you actually want is a timely way of updating that. Yeah, that's what I want. So you start up there and you end up down here. So that's that's one sort of good technique. Um, the other one is, and my grandfather used to tell me this, is don't make assumptions. And it's very easy to do that when you are a domain expert. 
So I'm a qualified accountant and I have implemented planning systems using profit losses and balance sheets. And I've had a couple of times where the people assumed that I knew how they were going to do something because I was an accountant. Now, if you know anything about accountancy, you know there are different ways of doing things and every company applies rules differently, even though there are standards. So I, I stopped telling people I was an accountant because actually I found it easier because then they told me what I needed to know. Because as soon as they knew I was an accountant, they just assumed I knew everything about their business. And we never we never got the, the answers to the questions. So one is being a little bit dumb, if you like, and just sort of, okay, don't don't give them. You have to balance that with a bit of um, sort of empathy and expertise and, and experience. But this kind of, you need to make them feel comfortable and make them feel sort of, you need them to be telling you stuff. So you need to be getting them to understand. So this rapport is what we talked about previously about the, being a consultant is way more than just a technical thing. You've got to build this relationship up with them to, for them to be comfortable, for them to share their pains with you. So you are going to have to be a little bit direct at times and keep going and be annoying, but you've got to explain why you're doing it. Um, the other thing, the other thing that I kind of I read somewhere is is if you're finding it a little bit tricky and they're just not engaging with you, play something back to them as okay. So I've so I've heard that you want to be able to do this and make it wrong. Because then they'll then they'll engage. Oh no, no no that's not what I mean. I mean this. So you can actually get them to sort of explain more by sticking some things that are. You've got to be careful and not come across as being idiotic and not listening. But sometimes you can make a kind of deviation that makes them explain why it's not quite the way that you explained it to them, and then they'll then they explain why. So I think keeping going we talked about this onion thing before, which is you keep going down the layers until you get to the core of the need, and then you can really understand what their main problem is. And I think you're not really talking solutions at this point. You're not trying to get into the the way you will solve it because you can't really, they will have a prejudgment of how they think it's going to be solved because they know Excel or they know another tool or what they're using now. So they're in their head going, well, that's how I do it in this. Or I saw that over there. So that it's like, okay, I don't want to talk about that yet because we haven't got to the ultimate problem. Let's find the ultimate problem because even within the same tool, there've been multiple ways of solving it. But let's let's not worry about how we're going to solve the problem at this point. Let's just fully understand exactly what it is you're trying to solve for, and then you can take then you can go forward. How do you you mentioned an interesting thing about like you're an accountant, but you don't tell people you're an accountant. Like as when you're trying to build a solution for for someone, how do you balance kind of that? Right, because the customer knows their business and their processes. Right, so how do you come across? as kind of being that that genuine kind of consultant um we're like does your functional expertise at that point not even matter like does it is it important is the technical expertise more important or is it the skill set itself of being a consultant that's that's really what what's what's important it is a balance it's good but i think it, it is something that you that you, you you learn to get the right right balance i think you 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 bring that technical expertise and experience in almost after that those first conversations I think because if you can get them to talk to you about their business and you make them feel special and they'll tell you their business is different but it's like it's not it's the same as everybody else's we we know that but you don't tell them that you let them tell them why your business is different and then all of a sudden you've picked up their business really quickly wow. That's amazing. How did you know that you, so you start to feel, because you know that, because you know all these other bits and pieces that you haven't told them, 
So when you start playing it back to them, or when you start, particularly when you start showing or thinking about the solutions as to what we could do, all of a sudden you're bringing your expertise in. They're kind of, well, they've understood this really, really well. So either I've explained it really well, or they're really knowledgeable, or the, or the two meet in the middle. So you can kind of be very careful. You bring it in at the right places. So you don't want to come in and go, yep, I know everything about this. Yep, Danny, yep. And, and I start, but, but what's worse is if you start jumping ahead and making assumptions on what they haven't told you, that is bad on so many levels because you're now building a solution based on what you think they need, which is not, it's got to be what they tell you they need or you work out what they need. You, they have to have made, this is why you do the going down the onions. It's like, I'm not going to make an assumption based on what you said, you know, lunchtime we've, we've done some of the anyone who's been on some of my sort of seminars and courses and stuff when's lunchtime well depends on which country you're in it varies from 11 till 2 depending on what part of the world you're in so that's just that makes a difference it's to know so you have to keep going back and back to the assumptions thing even though your domain expertise may be in certain areas there is these nuances of a business it's like tell me why tell me why this is different and you bring it in and you can sort of say okay well I understand that. I've seen that before. You know, you can ask the questions which are relevant to your experience to to do you do this or will you ever need to do that? Because again, they're not necessarily thinking about all of the future. They're thinking about now. So if you've seen some examples of where people have done something that is similar to their industry, you can bring that experience or bring that expertise in after you kind of, as follow-up questions to drill into more detail. You don't do, I don't think you need to do that at the beginning. But yeah, it is, it's, it's, this is why we said before you learn this and you you get that balance and it's a lot of there's a lot of people skills technical skills are really important obviously um you have to be able to provide the right solutions and the right vision of what they want but if you don't know what if you can't get out of them really what they're trying to solve for you can have the best technical skills in the world but you're not going to deliver the right solution aren't you so I, i think you've got to get that empathy and get that relationship with with the people first and then that'll help you because then you can have a bit more of a kind of well i've got three wizards showing you and you know you can have that kind of as opposed to them just expecting it to be perfect straight away yeah along those lines of balance when we're talking about you know finding that ideal solution for the customer we see a, we see kind of the classic case many times of um the customers being you know uh you know mostly on excel still for all of their planning um those classic customers, when you when you bring them to any type of planning tool, there is a natural kind of change management or process management that takes place with just how you're managing that data, administering it, um, how you're doing your planning within the tool as opposed to Excel. Um, how do you, you know, kind of naturally kind of impart those optim you know optimal process changes that come naturally with the tool into uh their process so that it's not a complete lift and shift because mm-hmm. oftentimes you see you know they just they do things one way right and if you understand that you can translate that into any tool but it's not really utilizing the tool to its full to the fullest of its capability so how do you kind of bridge that gap and and use it to enhance their existing process i think we touched on this i think in in the last time when we spoke around if it's a if it requires a process change fundamentally then then you kind of want to try and separate the two if you can i think technology is is enablers for, for process change 
but they shouldn't be the reason necessarily for the process change. You kind of want, if someone says it's a bad process, you can stick all the technology on top of that. It's still a bad process. It just makes the process quicker or more efficient, but it's still a bad process. So if you need the process to change, and this is where there's this level of engagement as to who's in, who's driving the change, what's the change for? Is, is the change because the process is... If the process needs changing as well, then you've got more work to do because you are going to have to get people... Ideally, you want them to work on the new timetables or the new structures or the way that the way of working before you bring the technology in. Or at least, at least start that conversation as to this is going to be different. Um, if it's just people, if you put a new tool in front of people and then expect them to new, do something completely different with a new timescale and new deadlines at the same time, that's a huge hurdle for them to get over. So if you get it right, fine. But if you get it wrong, immediately you're fighting an uphill battle for everything because your change is just, you've, up, you've tipped their world upside down. Um, they were happy in their little Excel world and sending it through at 12 o'clock at night when they finished it on their t- dinner table. And now all of a sudden you're telling them they have to do it in, when they're in the office by five o'clock because that system doesn't allow them to do it at home. It's like, hang on, that's not what I like doing. So there's a, there's a balance there. Um, but I think... It's 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 kind of similar when you think about the solutions. Is is you're trying to find? We touched on it just earlier. They're highlighting the strengths. So so if you know there is a particular strength in your product, you should be trying to build build that and and bring that into the conversation around. Well, look, we could do this as part of this process, which would actually be quite helpful because this is what the product's good at. So why don't we try that and see whether that is actually a change that works. Um, and, and conversely, if there's some, if there's an area of your product that you know is not one of its strengths, it can do something. Then okay, you've got to try and make sure the process is as as seamless around that as possible. If you just try and assume that the whole thing is going to going to fit everything, there'll be bits on the edges that don't work. So I think we touched last time around timings as to when things need to happen and who's doing it. It's just as important as the technology. So that's when you've got to think about um, those. Is, I use the word appropriate a lot, and I think it's it's finding the appropriate structures or the appropriate process that it's all it's all the same sort of thing. It's not always technology that matters. It's it's how you use it and when you use it. So I think you very much got to think about getting going back to what we said. What's the need? You know, is is the is the main problem in their in their setup the process and there's some clashes with deadlines or someone's trying to do this and that person isn't finished okay well there's a bit of process management needs to be going on there so if you spot any of that stuff and you realize that your product isn't actually going to help solve that but you can see an opportunity you've got to engage with other people in the business or or say well, okay if we move these deadlines around, can we move these deadlines around? It's like a lot of sort of sprint planning and balancing. You're moving all the scales around. It's like, okay, can we, can we, what happens if they need us to do it a day early, which allows us to do this? Is that possible? Yes, no. And you start to, and that's when the consultancy goes more than just technical consultancy. That's when it starts straying into the business consultancy aspect because you can say, well, you're not trying to bring other company processes into your business. That works for a lot of very defined things and, and the bigger SIs do a lot of that work with process change. But in the smaller ones, you can still bring a little bit in, sort of start to just think about well, what the impact might be of doing that. Um, just a subtle changes as to who does what or how things happen. Um, but I mean, the whole lift and shift thing is a is a, a different, is a big topic. I mean, if you, you know, it's one of the big, the big no-nos of moving into models. 
or moving from one to the other. So, I mean, um, we can cover that in a minute as a separate, <laughs> separate thing if you want. Um, cause lift and shift is obviously the, yeah, you're moving from something to something else. So it shouldn't be what it was before because the whole reason you're doing it is you're moving from it to something new, not using the same thing again. Yeah. Well, we've noticed too from the customer side, uh, when, when you, do, when people try to do that, um, you know, the sentiment, the customer sentiment long-term is not usually great. And in terms of, you know, keep, you know, maintaining them, their adoption of the platform, um, as well as it's, it's almost like now I'm just paying more to do the same thing that I was doing. Right. Yeah. It, it, it comes down to who's instigated the change as well. Um, one of the things that we talked earlier is attractive about all, all the different models is often the buyer or the, is not the user. And therefore, you've got a very different sort of um, customer to deal with, if you like, because in a lot of cases, there's an efficiency gain at the center that doesn't necessarily translate into an efficiency gain for the individual doing their task. But it's much, much, much more, much more efficient at the, at the, at the center where everyone collates everything or does all that planning or the scaling of the stuff. So the individual salesperson or cost center manager doing their thing this may may or may not be better than what they were doing before. In most cases, or a lot of cases, it's not any better. So the benefit for them is negligible. So you've got to work very hard on those edges, particularly if those are the bulk of the users, to engage them and try and make sure that, that you've explained to them that there's been a decision that's been made, not by you. Not, you, didn't, you didn't decide to come in here. Someone, someone decided they were going to buy this piece of software and implement it. But you get them on side, get them in, in part of it to make them see where the benefits are and how that helps with some of the process change. If you can get some adoption from some key users and, and help them as being advocates for their colleagues as to kind of, okay, it's going to be different um, and get them to, to engage and be part of the testing and part of the, the you know, even even some training or be the, the sort of the, ex, the mini expert, if you like, within their teams. That works quite well when you sort of you push out some of the expertise so that they become the the go the first go to person for their colleagues if they get stuck with this new tool rather than having to go all the way back the chain to the consultant. Um, that's quite quite useful to recruit them for that. Um, but I think the the biggest thing on the lift and shift stuff is it's it's this acceptance that it's not what you've got and um, and this applies to applies to users but it primarily applies to to, to the when you're trying to build or learn something new. Um, so, so if you're adopting some of these new tools and you're the one who's actually doing it, and it applies very much the same as if you're the person in the business who is now trying to, 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 to change the process is it's, it's like a language. It's like learning foreign languages. Um, there's different structures and there's different constructions, different ways of, of, of making yourself understood. And, to be very to be fluent in a language, you don't think in your native language and do a translation, and that's the kind of lift and shift thing. Is if I built it in a spreadsheet like this, so I'm just going to build it the same way in this tool. It's like now you can't, you're never. It will probably work, but it, 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 you know you're not going to be. It's not going to be as efficient as you as it could be. Um, so some languages put verbs at the ends of sentences. Well, that's a very different way of of of, of speaking. So if you think in your native language where the verb is in the middle, like in like you know, sort of American English and, and, and whereas German puts the verb at the end. So they'll understand you, but it's not really the right way to do it. You've got to think, you've got to think in the new way. 
So you've got to think in the new language of, of building and the new terms. So they sort of say, you've got to condition yourself in that. So, so there's all these techniques of surround yourself with all the new stuff. So, you know, don't get rid of all of your old manuals of how Excel works and how this product works. Bring in the new one. Get your little training badges and just so that you're thinking mindset wise of I'm thinking new tool, not old tool. Um, and accept the fact that you are going to get frustrated because it doesn't work the way you expected it to, but that's all part of your learning the new way of doing it. You're never going to be perfect in building in a new tool from the off. It's impossible. You're going to, and if you try to build it the old way, you're going to be more frustrated. You, again, it's coming back to what am I trying to do? Not what, what's, what, what's the outcome that I'm after? Not how did I build it before? And that's back to the process change. Well, what were you actually trying to do? I was trying to complete my cost into submission. Okay, well, the way you did it before is one way of doing it. As long as if you can now be efficient in completing that task in a completely different way, but you get the same result, okay, that's fine. Then there's this transition in the middle that you've got to manage or the business has to manage as to how difficult or easy that, sh that should be. I think your points about lift and shift in this topic have kind of connected everything back together. And I'm curious, um, do you think the reason for consultants or customers just basically applying what they've already done in, say, Excel or a different tool in the new tool as is when they upgrade is a lack of understanding of their process? Is it a lack of talent from the consultant or customer side? Is it something that's overly complex and customizable like uh, a new tool that is hard to translate into? kind of defaults them back to that, hey, I did it this way in Excel, so let's just do it this way in Excel. That's what I understand. Like, What's the limiting factor that basically pigeonholes a client or a, a consultant into just doing what they were doing before in a different tool? I, I think the challenge, the biggest challenge I've seen for, from, a, from a users to kind of get it so that you can see it when, when particularly when we're in, we're not in a flat structure of databasey type world that we talked about before because that's that's you know not really where what we're talking about here it's that dimensional structure and varies by or whatever words you want to use is that's really hard to get to understand why you can't visualize five five dimensional sales data set on a sprint it's like cubes kind of yeah do that four five six Ooh, hang on. How? And so, so my men, people who are used to grids, which is two dimensional. Okay. Another tab is three dimensions. Another section in a tab is four. Another spreadsheet is five. It's like, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about all of that in one thing. And that's a very big leap. So I think because of that, people struggle with that concept. And so a lot of this does come down. Uh, to the training and the, and the, the knowledge share as to explaining why that isn't the way you need to do it. You don't need to do it that way. Look, uh, and, and I think, so this comes back to, to the, the experience and the, and the training and the knowledge of the consultant as well to be able to do this and say, look, let me show you the way you have to do it in Excel. Now let me show you what happens to do exactly the same thing. Very simple form. It doesn't have to be complex. Just you can, you should be able to demonstrate really easily why this is rubbish and why this is so much better. And as soon as you can, they can kind of see that. I remember I spent an hour with one lady once trying to explain that they didn't need to have individual rows for, for the, every single current. It's like you don't need it like that. And she just couldn't get it. So we had to, it was actually easier to build it in the tool and just go, look, let me show you. 
because now she could visualize it in the new way because you can't try you cannot visualize multi-dimensional stuff in a spreadsheet it's not possible so people can't understand what you you know what you mean you've seen it you've worked with it you, you get it but they're going i don't understand and they won't understand until so mocking little things up and just showing it to them and say look this is the same as this when i change this you can see it changes here when i add a new product look it's everywhere oh all of a sudden they get it they now understand that i don't build it that way and the other thing i think which sort of if if possible we, we went back to the beginning about understanding the need and, and trying to understand what they want if you can get them to have exposure to the product or i better still some form of training so they understand the capabilities of what you're trying to deliver for them it's a huge win because they can now see what's possible so they've seen it so their understanding is easier because they now get what the future can look like if you try and do in my early career we used to do requirements before we'd done training and it was so bad because you do the training, you come back to them and they go, oh, if I'd have known that, I wouldn't have said this, 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 because they've now made the leap. So get them exposure, get them training to the product before you go through requirements helps you very much with the with their leap of to what the future looks like, as opposed to, you know, you you in your head have possibly got some idea of what, how the thing may look. They haven't got a clue because they don't know what this thing can do. So particularly that dimensional structure is the hardest. So focus very much on helping people understand that transition and focus on the pain points of Excel and the maintenance stuff we talked about and, and how, and you can do it really easily because you can just take six, you can take three tabs and four spreadsheets and just put them together in one, in one cube module, whatever the terminology is that the product uses and go, look, all of that is in there. And when you just, you can see it, look at it that way around and that way around. And then all of a sudden they've now made that leap as to why this is so much better than that. And then they won't think about their spreadsheets anymore because they now can see what the future looks like. If you don't do that, they're going to constantly be, because they're familiar with it. It's going to take them a long time to move away from something they like and are familiar with, even even with all of its pains. You know, people still like it because they know it. Humans humans don't like change. We, we know that. That's, that's, a, that's a trait. Yeah, it's almost like... Um... It's not even a checkers to chess teaching them, you know, checkers is pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Now we're playing chess. There's a lot more rules involved. It's it's really checkers to 4D chess, mm -hmm. which you don't even know how chess is played. Now you have to play it in all these different dimensions. It's a very hard concept. Mm -hmm. And the default is to kind of pull back into the familiar, which is what you already know and can understand. Yeah. You know, cognitive dissonance plays a role in that. And, and people get defensive when they're not in the... Uh, the no or they don't know what they're doing so i think you're yeah. right and particularly if you we touched on this last time if you particularly if there's, there's already a, a, an expert in the old tool in the business they are going to be very defensive now some of them if they are comfortable enough and they can make that leap we talked about that kind of chasm before that you know you don't if people can make the jump across and they can see that the future is rosy because they're at the top of the new mountain and everything's lovely then they, then you're fine so get some of those in it on board and you're great most people end up in this bottom bit going, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't, I can't use what I did before and I don't understand this new thing. I don't like this place. And they will be noisy if they're, you know, the old person, you are going to get some noisy people who want to spread. So you've got to really work very hard to get them on board and help them understand that it is a bit better, but it is going to be a bit of an ups and downs thing until, and you see it, you see it once, once people get it, they're like, oh, I understand now. And they'll come in one morning and go, I've just got it. I was on the bus this morning and now it's clicked and all of a sudden they're a different person. And, you know, it, it takes it takes people varying amounts of times to get that transition. But when you get it, 
they're, they're like ball of energy because now they're suddenly suddenly off and you can give them all sorts of things to do and they'll they'll love it because they've made that jump. Yeah, I think um, we have a perfect example where a client went through the training and because of that has really helped in some of our visualization and building um, collaboration instead of us coming up with an idea because we don't know their industry as much as they do. Obviously, they work in it, but we know the tool to get them there. And because they went through the initial training, they understand how the dimensions at least work from, you know, very bare bones, mm-hmm. but it does help. So it's not like we're trying to teach them, you know, a new language and and they're still on the old language, not really willing to learn. And it's helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. And we've built some great things together. So that's a good call out of get them to learn early and often. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I think uh, the one thing that we all want to know as much as you can tell us, of course, is what you have going on at Kaleidoscope and kind of what the future might look like. Obviously, we know you can't share too much. It's it's mm-hmm. very uh, secretive, but anything yeah. you can share is valuable. Yeah. Well, as we as we alluded to, we're, you know, our focus is very much on the small business, real sort of self-service. Someone discovers it and starts to use it and extends from there. So with that in mind, we're focusing very much on, on simplicity and um but we are now, after a couple of years of, of doing lots of research, thinking, talking, hypothetical stuff, you know, back end, some of the guys have been building constructs and stuff with no real front end. We're now actually starting to try and build a prototype out based on a couple of use cases. Um, we've decided to tackle, it's, it's funny, even with small businesses, you go, data in different formats which is like, okay, how do we get that in? Because getting data in is a real problem. So some real sort of simple stuff to start with. But yeah, it's kind of, in theory, if you can do some of that, it takes away the pain from users to have to put it in a certain format. So, um, and then pulling it together to sort of just to be able to get some views of disparate sources coming together in one place. So we're looking at that as one angle. Um, and the other one, we just thought we'd, we'd take it easy on ourselves. It's, it's bill of materials. <laughs> So, so it's like, but but in you know it's simple, but it's not. So it's one of those things that it's it's going to provide when when off when uh, sort of Michael said, um, do we want to take on this customer? And I said, well, you do realise it's better materials because <laughs> we've all had lots of sleepless nights and headaches around just the complexities of it. But it, it's forcing us to say, well, how can we simplify this? Because this is this is proper consultancy structural. Nah, and we don't want that. We want users to be able to just naturally build something so they know their business. So we're starting with those and we're, and we're starting with very much the view of syntax and formulas should be hidden really as much as possible apart from basic you know, pluses and divides and things like that. So with the focus very much on, on making it simple and easy to understand and to explore. So if you can see how to get things and there's a natural path to see structures and see how things are made up, they're not, you know, we're not in a massive sort of multidimensional complex use case type of problem. And we're not intending to be in that space for quite a while, but even on the smaller end of the businesses that we're working with, we've got a couple that we're working with. You've got enough of the challenges that we've seen scaled up, you know, four dimensional data sets and, and the structures that are, this is made up of these and these are made up of these. Well, okay, those are big enough problems in a very small sense that if we can tackle those, and there's a, and, and it deals with some of the transformational stuff, which is, again, the biggest headache of anyone in a spreadsheet getting to that point where, where how do I join the pieces of my data together? So 
it's the same if multidimensionality transition is hard in Excel for people to move to a new tool, getting someone to understand a tabular structure in one sheet tab, how do I link that to another sheet tab in Excel? That's the net, that's the blocker for most people who aren't experts. So we're aiming to try and deal with that in a very sort of user-friendly, simple gesture type of thing where the number, it, it, you know, you get the result you expect just by, just by asking for what you need and, and it should, and I'm really excited with what we've seen in terms of the the, you know, the mock-ups and the designs and the way it looks. Proof is in the pudding, obviously, as to, you know, I'm, I'm asking the questions as I want that to just happen. So hopefully we can build something that makes it almost just happen, which which I think will be really exciting. So the intention is to build that out and then it's 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 a prototype. So it's not it's not go to market. It's, it's not intended to be. It's intended to almost be testing out in a way testing out value to us as to can we technically do these things does it actually work does do these things work yes we'll have some people using it to find out where the holes are particularly in that initial onboarding where do i get stuck when i start because if we can understand what people are trying to do you can build some onboarding around that but you don't necessarily know where they're going to start and what direction they're going to go in so we're just going to build it one way and say okay how does that look? And if they go, well, I wouldn't have done it like that. I'd have done it like this. Then you go, okay, that's fine. We're not going to change anything because we're just literally building it and finishing it going right. And then we're working to the sort of the beta program, which follows on from that this year. So the idea is that we try and get that starting to be more production ready and proper behind the scenes support for getting to a point where, you know, we're probably over a year away from anything that's in the marketplace because we this is very much just, okay, we're now at the point where we want to test out some of these things that we think will work so we're actually going to try it with real with real use cases and real customers to go does this actually give you what you need and the the exciting bit for me is they will they yeah we know what they want to do but they we also know there's lots of other things they want to do that we have descoped however i'm reasonably confident that the things that we're building should allow me or somebody else to try and get quite a long way in these other things as well just so we can in the time that we're sort of getting more production ready, we can be trying out some other things just to see, well, is it possible to do that? We know lots of use case requirements in lots of areas that we can just now actually play with something for real and say, let me try and do that. I'm not expecting it to work because we haven't designed it to do anything, but maybe it will. If we built it to be easy to use, some of this stuff should just work, uh, you know, and and allow me to be really sort of comfortable with with. And it's very different. It's 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 not it's not sort of things that you've seen. It's 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 not spreadsheet based. It's not sort of you know heavy on the kind of technical language. We're trying to we're trying to sort of make it accessible, even in the terms we're using and the words we're using. We're trying to avoid using techie terms like dimensions and things because like people don't know what dimensions are. So it's really hard to find the right words. And again, something we'll try and test out because. We're conditioned in certain ways and we're going, yeah, but I don't want to use that word, but is there a, is there a better word? And you come up with alternative and you're going, oh, I still don't like any of them. <laughs> it's like, I don't like any of the words. So, um, so no, so next, next few months are really full on, full on sort of build mode. And then sort of the rest of the year is very much sort of evaluation and, and finessing and trying to build from there. So, I mean, I'm really, it's taken a couple of years to get to this point, but I'm super excited now that we're kind of, I'm now in my sweet spot because now I'm in, now I'm in sort of defining modeling requirements mode, which is 
really kind of what I live and breathe for. So, yeah, it it, it kind of reminds me of what we started the the conversation with talking about Chat GPT and just how it's infiltrated the marketplace. Um, you know, you don't need salespeople to sell Chat GPT; mm. it's just kind of sold itself, right? And it sounds like Kaleidoscope is what Chat GPT is to the search engine world uh, for 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 the planning well, space. That's our, our, our kind of our business model is is sort of discovery and, and, and self-promotion, if you like, rather than salespeople. So we're not making any, you know, any ma massive claims about going viral and all this kind of stuff. But we, we, we're not intending to support the business by pre-sales consultants and consultants and salespeople at, at this point. You know, it may be that we, you know, we obviously probably need some people at some point, but initially it should be discoverable. Yes, it will need some marketing and some, you know, who's going to find this thing? Yeah, okay. Well, we can work out how we can find it. But once it's been found, if people start to use it, hopefully they'll like it enough to tell someone else about it and then they'll tell someone else about it. That's how we get. And obviously our network, as we said, I think there'll be lots of people who are interested in what we're doing. So we may get we may get growth from other areas that are not necessarily target market, but we'll just see how that goes. We're still, a, you know, still quite a lot to do. So we're not getting ahead of ourselves in terms of this is still a very... This isn't our hyper growth two years time. We're going to be, uh, you know, expecting to be floating on stock exchanges. We're not. It's much more considered, much more balanced because the usability aspect, if that, that's not easy to do. And we, we know that. So focusing on the simplicity and the usability means you've got to make, you've got to really, really de sort of de-skill some of the technicalities, which is not, we know is a big challenge. So, you know, we're not underestimating just how, how difficult this is, but we believe that we're getting it's certainly some of the things I've seen, if we can put it off, then I'm really excited we're on the right, right track. I think from a development standpoint, you know, I think it's smart to make sure that you guys are taking your time and doing it right. So, you know, we're, we're more than happy to be patient, um, as well as um, obviously being consultants ourselves. Take as long as you guys need. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> you. it sounds like you know, we might not be needed for that type of work. So before you guys come in and disrupt the entire market, just take your time. Um, yeah. No, all jokes aside, though, we're, we're, we're very uh, excited to see, you know, sort of the, the early stages and how this evolves. I'm sure the concept and, and some of the goals are evolving every day for you guys. So um, the final product, you know, we'll be keeping an eye out for and hopefully, you know, uh, down the line as things progress further, you know, we can check in with you and get more updates. Um, so mm. we're excited to learn about those. Yeah, well, there'll come a point when, we, when we'll start to have a bit more kind of active customer recruitment that we need to really start helping us out with testing and stuff. So depending on the network and depending on the, on the use cases and the size of business, obviously, but there will be a, there will be some calls out at some point to say, okay, we, we want to get. 20, 30 customers now using it, you know, within a year rather than the three or four that we're kind of get looking for at the moment. So we're going to need, we're going to need people, you know, and obviously we'll go through our usual recruitment stuff, but yeah, the network will be very useful to sort of, and anyone is interested, you know, to have a look at once we get to that point where it's something that people can actually, we can actually give to them, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we're looking forward to being able to sort of see how people react to certain things and, and even just prototypes, showing people stuff to go, what do you think? You know, it's the first time we'll actually have a real working product as opposed to mock-ups, which is, is really exciting. So. Well, that's great. Um, again, we appreciate your time. Uh, you know, obviously, we we love your expertise and, and the way that you're able to break down, you know, 
business planning agnostic concept. So I think there's a lot to kind of learn there as well as um, we're, you know, again, with what you guys are uh, trying to do over at Kaleidoscope, we're, we're excited to see that kind of next evolution because again, uh, I think that there's a lot of room for growth. Um, we're seeing evolution every day in this space, um, but this might be hopefully kind of that next step or the breaking through the ceiling of the entire, you know, new way of thinking about planning. Mm -hmm. So very excited about that. Yep. Glad I can help and uh, sort of happy, you know, happy to answer anyone, anyone's questions. If you want to feed any through, if any of the guys go through you, happy to give some advice on there. Otherwise, um, happy to connect, connect again, sort of maybe in this time next year again, we can do a, make it an annual thing. Perfect. Yeah. To the second year anniversary, we'll make sure to yeah. have you back. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Best Practice Podcast. We hope you have gained a few valuable insights from our guests and hosts during this episode. If you would like to hear more best practices, be sure to subscribe and follow along so you can catch every episode as we release them to the community on a weekly basis. 